0: Jesus, you are so beautiful. God, you're so beautiful. We give our love to so many things other than you. We give our time and attention to so many things that are lesser than you. God, we repent of the idols we go after, the loves that we go after. We repent of the fact that we so often leave our first love. And we think that the things of this earth matter more God I pray the one thing we would seek after the thing we would long for more than anything else is to be in your presence and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord to inquire of your word like David prays in Psalm 27 the one thing I ask the one thing I seek is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life gazing upon his beauty, meditating upon his word. God, you are beautiful. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to stir in us this morning and everything that's lesser, let it wash and fall away. Help us hear you this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I've been at Parker Ford roughly six months now. When I started uh, this past fall, early winter, I had a, a piece of advice from one of my mentors. Um, he said, you're transitioning from, a, from leading a church plant to leading an established church. So, uh, Park Ford turns 175 this year, so this is not a church plant. This is, this is a, a rooted church. Um, and, and the, the piece of advice was, when you go, uh, don't try to immediately bring a bunch of vision. So church plants survive on vision. If you've ever been a part of a church plant, you have to have vision. Like the thing exists day to day. It, it can't move forward on a daily, weekly basis without there being lots of fresh vision. And so my job as a church planner was to constantly be bringing, this is where we're headed. This is where we're going. Every single week was Vision Sunday. Um, and that can get exhausting for some people. But for me, I loved it. So I was, I, he said, be careful. Um, let there be a period of time where you're just learning the body, listening, uh, building rapport, growing in relationship, that sort of thing. That's tough for me because I love vision, and I love mission, and I love moving forward, and I get excited about that stuff. But, but I felt like that was from the Lord. So so this past six months, I've been really intentional uh, not, not to try to introduce too much new vision other than just to get to know the body and uh, hear together what the Lord is doing. And, and that sort of thing. So um, this morning, it, I've, I've called it Vision Sunday. But um, it's not going to be vision in the traditional sense of here's vision of what a bunch of stuff we're going to be doing. Rather, I f- what, I, what I hope to cast vision for is here's who I think we're supposed to be. Does that make sense? So instead of, you're not going to walk out of this place with a, a list of things that we're doing. Uh, What I hope that we walk out together this morning is, okay, this is who God has called us to be. Does it make sense? You with me? All right. So, I should turn this on. That would help. We're going to be going into the book of Acts starting in two weeks. This week and next week are sort of introductory weeks for, for the book of Acts. And this is sort of the overview of why we're going into the book of Acts. Um, And you can read this in the emails or on the website. Uh, This is what I wrote for this. Uh, As the people of God, we constantly need to practice spiritual discernment. We're daily faced with decisions, great and small, that require the ability to listen and follow the spirit and word of God. As we walk through the book of Acts, we'll be asking some key questions about the process of spiritual discernment. How are the people of God called to make decisions? What role does the Spirit of God play in discernment? How did the early Christians practice discernment? How did the early church make decisions? What role does prayer and the Word of God play in spiritual discernment? What role does spiritual community play in discernment? And the entire book of Acts is a book of spiritual discernment. As we grow, as our own ability to walk in God, I can't read it, it's too small, as we engage the stories and acts, we can learn and grow in our own ability to walk out God-honoring processes of spiritual discernment. All right, raise your hand if you have a, a big decision that you have to make in the next couple of years. Everyone should be raising their hand, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so, so raise your hand if you are confident that you have the ability to make the right choice in your own strength. All right. So, what you need is spiritual discernment. What you need is the ability to hear the Spirit of God, and then to make a decision based on on what what God says and and how He's moving and working. So, since I've been at Parker Ford um, seasonally, uh, one of the ways that that I that the Lord works in my life is I'll have like for six months to a year, I'll have a scripture that that the Spirit brings to mind every single day. And um, in different seasons, it's different parts of Scripture, and it it might be just a phrase, it might be a passage, and the the Lord will just bring it over and over and over again every single day. So since I came to Parker Ford, this has been been the Scripture that the Spirit of God has brought into my mind and heart, without fail, every single day. This is uh, Psalm 28, and this is a Psalm of David, And he says, I pray to you, O Lord my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. Listen to my prayer for mercy as I cry out to you for help, as I lift my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Some of you have heard me talk about this scripture. I think I taught on it in one of the Sunday school classes. I relate to this so much. Where David says, I pray to you, O Lord my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. When I come to the Lord, and I'm praying to him, and I'm seeking his will, and I'm seeking his movement in my life, if he does not speak, if he's not going to actively engage me, then what is the point of life? And what is the hope of life? If not that God is speaking. Life is one magnificent, messy, terrible existential crisis if God is not speaking. Anybody agree with me? If if God is not speaking, there is no hope. If God's word is not alive and active, there is nothing to build on and there's nothing worth going after. Speak to me, God, for if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. I feel that so deeply, so deeply in me every single day. Lord, if you're not speaking today, if you're not actually able to to break through and have a relationship with me wherein I can speak to you and you hear me and you speak to me and I hear you, then I have no hope. Because I look around me and there's no hope within me and there's certainly no hope outside of me other than this, that God is speaking and he has spoken and he will speak again. That's it. That's it. That's, that's my deepest hope. Longing and desire and hope in life that the God of the universe is speaking and in relationship with me and with you. Speak. I pray to you, O Lord. Notice there's hearing and there's speaking. I pray to you, O Lord, my rock. So prayer, what's prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. Prayer is 90% listening, okay? Prayer might be more, it's much more listening than it is speaking. But prayer is communicating with God. I'm speaking to you, God. I'm talking to you, God, my rock, my foundation. What's our foundation as the people of God? It better be the word of God. I pray to you, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. So I'm talking to you. Don't be deaf to me. Hear what I'm saying. And then he switches it. For if you are silent, if you're not hearing me and responding, God, I might as well give up and die. And the, the actual Hebrew is, I'll be like one who goes down to the pit. I like this translation. I think it captures what, what the emotion of David is when he's, when he's going through this. I pray to you, do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. So this, this passage has just been constantly, constantly going through my heart, my mind, and my spirit over the last six months. I've been trying to listen. All right. This picture of my dad. Just kidding. Anybody know who that is? Who? Shout it out. Yeah, nice job, Rene Descartes. Anybody know who, who he is? This is one of the most influential men uh, cult- culturally over the last uh, 400 years or so. So uh, Rene Descartes was a French philosopher. And um, he was a deeply committed Christian. So he, he loved the Lord. And he wanted to prove God's existence, um, but he realized he couldn't prove God's existence unless he first proved that he existed. And so he chose to doubt everything. He was also a mathematician. He chose to doubt that everything was real um, and, and move himself back to the place where he couldn't doubt anymore because he was sure of it. And so he, he thought, you know, that might be an illusion. That chair might be an illusion. You might not be a real person. My, my whole life might be a sham. But as he kept going back in, in doubt further and further, he got to the place where he realized, um, I can't doubt that I exist because I'm thinking. And therefore, his famous statement, I think, therefore, I am. Um, and that became sort of the cultural way that people lived in the age of modernity. So the rationalism, the enlightenment, all of that, um, up until basically World War I, and maybe World War II was the, the death nail of, uh, of modernity. But, but that whole philosophical system was built on this idea, that I think, therefore, I am. So this was the posture of life that people lived for, for a long, long time. And in the age of rationalism, uh, rationalism, people began to dream of utopias. And so there was lots of books written about utopias. And the idea was that the more rational we become, the more u- we'll understand the universe, the more we'll be able to conquer the universe, and we'll be able to build a perfect society. And so this became a common goal. It w- it's called the age of advancement, believing that all of technology and science was, <laughs> and rationalism, this, this thinking, this good thoughts, was driving society uh, towards towards a, a perfect utopian world, but then uh, World War One and World War Two happen, and millions and millions and millions and millions of people die, um, and more people die in war in that century than all the other centuries of recorded human history combined. Uh, in in uh, the twentieth century, between the genocides and and the world wars, anybody ever seen this painting before? Yeah, incredible masterpiece. It is. It truly is. This is this is an amazing work of art. If you ever see a repor, uh, reproduction of it, um, it's it's huge. It's incredible, um, and the story behind it makes it come to life. Rosa, I probably need you to say it again. It's Guernica. Close enough. Guernica. Okay. So in World War uh, in World War Two, the the Spanish. Uh, hang with me. I'll I'll get to the vision. You you with me? All right track with me, trust me. All right, I know this seems random. All right, in, in uh, World War II, there was the Spanish Civil War, brutal, brutal Civil War, and the Nazis came in, and they joined, uh, you know, the right wing, extreme right wing uh, side of the Civil War, and they, they bombed this city of Guernica in April of 1937, and this is Pablo Picasso's painting reflecting the pain and the chaos of that, of that bombing. Most of the men were out fighting in the Civil War, so the town was just filled with women and children, but it didn't matter. They came in and absolutely destroyed it. And, and so this kind of marks, this painting as well as others, mark the end of modernity, when this idea that we're going to be able to build a perfect world based on rationalism, based on I think therefore I am, that that kind of idealistic picture of the world it's all it's all ruined by by the wars and just the realization that humanity is so messed up and so broken that that it's not going to work so um during during the occupation of of spain there's this famous story about this painting that uh, a nazi soldier came to pablo picasso and he pointed to the painting and he said did you paint that and picasso said no you did um which is a pretty epic response. Um so I would highly encourage you this it's hard to get a good a good picture of it but um you can check out this painting. So that that marks the end of uh, rationalism where it was I think therefore I am and then the world switched into postmodernism. Ever, anybody ever hear of postmodernism? And a lot of the rationalism was like the baby got thrown out with the bathwater, the pendulum swung and and so instead of it being uh there's set truth and there's set principles that guide the universe. It became Everything became rash, um, uh, relativistic. And so truth, uh, have you heard about truth being relativistic? I'm sure you've heard that. Like your truth is different than my truth. Uh, and and people's experience in the other parts of the world is is different. So there's all, there's all sorts of things that come with post-modernity. Um, but one of the things that happens on a cultural level is instead of it being I think therefore I am, life becomes I feel, therefore I am. Typically, it takes culture about 50 to 75 years to catch up with what happens in the academic world and the art world. So, um, so uh, first, it happens academically and artistically, and then about 50 or so years later, the culture begins to live like that. So right now, the culture is experiencing uh, the craziness of the rejection of all rationalism and that sort of thing. And you can see it in songs, uh, some songs that are a little bit older, uh, like Frank Sinatra's big hit, uh, which is still the number one hit of all time in the UK, where he sings, For what is a man, what has he got, if not himself, then he has not to say the things he truly feels, and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows, I took the blows and did it my way. Yes, I did it my way. This is a pretty good description of life in, in the 21st century, is it not? Yeah. I do it my way. It's my life. It's now or never. I ain't going to live forever. I'm just going to live while I'm alive. You heard that one? Yeah. Bon Jovi? This, these are just two, obviously, popular examples of, of life in the reaction against rationalism. Um, And where culture has gone. So we find ourselves today in a place where the average person lives according to this motto. I feel, therefore I am. It's no longer I think, therefore I am. It's I feel, therefore I am. Some of you who are older in this room might not live this way. um, Typically those who are, uh, I would say, 40 and under. This is the way that people are living in the millennial generation, generation X. And certainly the generation Z Whatever, whatever the next generation is uh, that, that's coming, it's this idea of I feel, therefore I am. So existence is not proven by thought uh, or rationalism. Existence is proven by feelings. Any of uh, the older folks have a difficult time with how younger folks talk about feelings? So there's a, there's a generational thing that happened where it moved from here to you know whatever wherever your're f- your feeling is, and certainly th- these are sweeping things, so not everyone lives exactly like this, but the the basics of culture right now are I feel therefore I am I, I believe that the the, um, the epidemics that we 're experiencing with addiction are are tied to this. Um, think about that. Uh, think about how how prevalent cutting is in our society. Um, these, these are all arrows that point back towards this. How do you, how do you know you're alive? By pain, by, by feeling. Um, and, and kids are, are cutting to, to experience feeling because they, they feel a numbness towards life. And so how, how can they feel like they're alive? By, by inducing pain. Um, and so this has become how our culture exists. I, I feel, therefore, I am. Clearly, neither of these are the biblical a picture. Neither I think, therefore I am, nor I feel, therefore I am, are the right way to live. Bo- both are um, incomplete. So here's the biblical one. This is the wisdom of God. He speaks, therefore I am. I think Descartes was wrong. I don't think, <laughs> I, I understand his his philosophical method of tracing it back to thoughts, but but We don't exist because we think. And we certainly don't exist because we feel. We exist and live and have breath and purpose and life because God speaks. And that's our only hope, is that God is speaking. Listen to these words from John chapter 1. In the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things... Were made through him. And without him, not anything made that was made. Does that include you? Yes. Does that include all of creation? Yes. We exist. We live. We have breath. We have life. We have purpose. We have vision. We have mission. We have goals. We have relationships. Because in the beginning was the word. And everything that has come into being came into being through the word of God. He speaks, therefore, I am. He speaks, therefore, you are. Which takes us back to Psalm 28. Speak to me, O Lord, for if you are silent, I might as well be dead. If God is not speaking, there is no life. And I mean that physically, but I also mean that existentially. If God is not speaking, you are not alive. If you are not hearing God, you are not living. Christ came that you might have life and life abundant. He is the word of God. How do you have life? Through his word. So this begs a couple of questions. Is God speaking today? Can we hear him? And how do we hear and discern God's voice? These are important questions. Is God speaking today? Can we hear him? And how do we discern God's voice? Hear and discern God's voice. So what I want to offer you through the rest of our time before we go into taking the Lord's table this morning is five ways that I believe that we are to hear the word of God as his people. <clears throat> there are certainly other ways. I think these are the, the most biblical big ones that capture uh, where I think God is calling us as a people today. All right. Holy Spirit, you hear God's voice through God's spirit living in you. And I purposefully listed this first because I think for many Americans we would say, well, the the way you hear God is through the written scriptures. Yes, that's true, but but, so many people in this world have had a relationship with the Lord but not had access to the scriptures like we do. And how they have a relationship with the Lord is through God's spirit. And what God promises first and foremost in, in relationship with Christ is not that you'll know his his word up here but that you'll know His word in here. How do you know His word in here? Because His spirit comes and dwells within you. So the Holy Spirit is, is the first way that, that we hear God. Secondly, the scriptures. There, there is a movement and I've talked about this a little bit. There is a movement in our culture of rejecting the authority of the scriptures. We cannot do that. If we lose the scriptures as our foundation place we, we will have nothing to build on. <laughs> there has to be a level of faith, and it can't just be up here where you prove everything is true in the scriptures. I mean, if someone found Noah's Ark in some random mountain, it, it, at the end of the day, you still have to exercise faith that God's word is active and alive and, and worth building your life on. So um, don't be duped into believing that it's all about proving it up here. There's a level of faith with which we have to approach the word. And in my generation, there's a desire to approach the scriptures without faith. And that's a problem. All right, the Holy Spirit, the scriptures, spiritual community, this is huge. How does God speak? He speaks through the people of God in your life. How many times has God spoken to you through other people? If you've been walking with the church, it's probably been a lot. Spiritual service, we hear God when we serve with God, where God is serving. I was talking about this with Ryan Moyer the other day. When Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, she did the right thing. She chose the better thing. She sat at Jesus' feet. But guess what? Jesus didn't stay there forever. He got up and he walked out. So how do you hear Jesus' words when he stands up from that place of intimacy and sitting and talking and moves out and starts healing people? You go with him. That's how you hear his word. That's how you stay with him. So yes, it starts with that intimacy at his feet, soaking in him. But then he does call you to go and serve. And so we hear his voice when when we're serving. Uh, We also hear God's voice through natural revelation and personal experience. And this is the one that uh, I think Bible people tend to be the most concerned about. um, Because it it can be very problematic when that becomes the most important. uh, Which I agree with. So these are all all big ways. I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures that talk about these. All right, how does God speak and how can we hear him? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 58, 21, it says, As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or your children's offspring, says the Lord. So the word's going to dwell within us. This is the promise of Isaiah. In Ephesians, Paul says, In him you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. If you have a relationship with Christ, don't live like he doesn't live within you. He does. He does. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You can always invite him. Every day, invite him to dwell, invite him to speak. But you've been sealed by God's Spirit. This is the word of God. You have been sealed by God's Spirit the moment that you have relationship with the Lord and forgiveness and reconciliation through his Son. Jesus says, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. Notice the interplay between the word and the spirit. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all That I have said to you. So the spirit of God dwells within us and teaches us the things that Jesus says. Jesus goes on to say, I'm going to skip down to verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, he says to his disciples, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things That are to come. He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. We, as the people of God, have to learn how to hear God's Spirit within us. We have got to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit on a daily, every single day way. If you don't know how to do that, or if you're scared of that, or you're concerned, press into it, pray about it, ask God, invite His Spirit to speak. He surely will. He surely will. He desires to fill you with His Spirit. He desires to fill you with His Word and speak to you in that way. All right, through the Scriptures, this is this is just abundantly clear. God speaks through His Scriptures, as Paul writes to Timothy, verse sixteen: All Scriptures, breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I don't need to spend too much time here. I hope you should read your Bibles. We should read our Bibles. Amen. All right, you with me? Be in the Word. All right. Moving on, through spiritual community. Now, um, through gifts, this is a big one, the way that the Lord speaks. Paul writes, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone to each is given the manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, as God's Spirit dwells in me, there's a certain gifts that come out. As God's spirit dwells in Shirley, there's certain gifts that come out. Brad, so on and so forth. And it's us coming together that get a much fuller and complete picture of God's spirit working. You don't have a corner on the market within you. Right? You are not exclusive. You are not a kingdom unto yourself. We are the people of God together with the spirit of God dwelling within us, bringing forth his gifts. And so God is going to speak to our congregation through Harry in a unique way. He's going to speak through Cordell in a unique way. He's going to speak through Patty in a uni- unique way. We have to be together listening with one another in order to get the full counsel, the manifestations of God. In Hebrews 10, of course, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of, and the assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed With pure water. If you have an evil conscience, if your conscience is unclear, you won't go before God and you won't hear his word. I taught on this before I was the pastor at Parker Ford, a number of, I think it was like a year ago. You have to, the blood of of Christ sprinkles your conscience. When your conscience is clean, you can go before God confidently because your conscience is clean. Not because you did the right thing, but because he made you clean. All right. And then it goes on to say, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are closer to the day drawing near than they were 2,000 years ago. Amen? Amen? Jesus is closer to returning today than he was then, chronologically speaking. As we see the day approaching... Some are in the habit of stopping meeting together. Let us not be like them. All the more as we see the day approaching. Keep getting together. Keep praying. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep sharing your gifts to one another. Because God is surely coming again. All right. God speaks through community. He also speaks through spiritual service. James. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, so get rid of all that filth. He's on to say, verse 23, for if you listen to the word and don't obey. So if you hear God's word and you don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, so if you hear God's word, you steady it, you, you seek after it, it sets you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion. This, what is pure and genuine religion? Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows. This is pure and genuine religion. Caring for the orphans and widows in their distress And refusing to let the world corrupt you. If we are not serving with the king of kings, we will not be hearing his voice. Because that's what he's doing. Tracking with me? Like what Jesus said? He said, every time you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I only do what the Father does. Every time you hear me, you've heard the Father. Because I only speak what the Father says. Which is in John 14. Philip says, show us the Father. Jesus says, this whole time, you've seen the Father. All right. We also, see, we also see and hear God through natural revelation and personal experience. This is Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Uh, the scriptures say the heavens declare, declare the glory of the Lord. So you don't have to have a relationship with Jesus to see the heavens and be amazed. That, that God, that something created this. Here's the problem. When this, when personal experience and when uh, natural revelation are elevated above the scriptures, you get a cult. Okay? That's how cults come into being. When, when people have an experience, a supernatural experience of some sort, and they say this trumps the word of God, the, the, the recorded scriptures, it inevitably leads to a cult. So, what do you do when you have an experience with the Holy Spirit? What do you do when you see something that takes your breath away in nature? What do you do when God speaks? You submit it to the scriptures and the community of God. Right? This is what you do. So, um, I've had a number of interesting experiences in my life um, that sometimes have seemed out of left field and, and craziness. And so, what I do, instead of freaking out, is I go in prayer and the scriptures and I submit to my community and I share what's happened and I make sure that was this from the Lord? Is, does this align with his scriptures? Is, is this in alignment with how God is moving? If you're doing that, you're safe. Go go, experience nature and hear God's voice in all the different ways he wants to speak to you. It's wonderful. If, if he, He's spoken to me meaningfully f- through dreams throughout, throughout my life, and that's wonderful, but they have to submit to the scriptures, right? Okay. All right. Uh, this is one of my favorite hymns. It says, uh, this is my father's world, perhaps you've heard this before, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world, I rest me in the thought, I rest in this thought of the rocks and trees and skies and seas, his hands, the wonders wrought. This is my father's world, the birds, their carols raise, the morning light, the lily white declare, their maker's praise. And then this phrase especially, this is my father's world, he shines in all that's fair, in the rustling grass I hear him pass, he speaks to me everywhere we should be hearing God's voice everywhere. When you're up on the mountain in Colorado, you should hear God's voice. When you're changing your child's poopy diaper, you should hear God's voice. I'm serious. I'm I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Listen to me. When you're changing poopy diapers, parents, you should be hearing and communing and dwelling with God. When you're taking out the trash, you should be talking to the Lord. When you sit down to watch a show, you should invite Jesus to watch with you. There might be something you shouldn't be watching. But if you're not talking to him, how are you going to hear that? If you're not listening to him, how's he supposed to speak? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and lets me in, I will come and eat with him. Jesus says that to Christians, not unbelievers. That's not an evangelistic verse. That's a, a letter written to the church of Laodicea. To Christians, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's doing the same thing for us. He will not bust down that door. We have to open it so he can come in and speak with us and listen to us. All right, so here are the five postures or the, the five different things, ways that we hear him. We hear him through the indwelling of his spirit. We hear him through the scriptures. We hear him through uh, spiritual community. We hear him through spiritual service and through nature and personal experience and submission to the first four. Now, you might be asking, where's prayer in this? Doesn't God speak through prayer? How about worship? they are all forms of prayer. All of them, all of those things are prayer. Don't box prayer into, I pray in the morning when I sit down for 15 minutes and I say, this, this, and this are my problems. Fix them, God. Prayer is communing in the presence of the Lord with God. That is what prayer is. Prayer is speaking to the Lord and listening. That is what prayer is. So, as God's Spirit is dwelling within you, how are we supposed to pray? Paul says, How do we pray? You don't know how to pray. He says, you don't know how to pray. He says, you in Rome, you Romans, don't know how to pray. In fact, he says, we don't know how how to pray. Paul indicts himself. This is the Apostle Paul. Anybody have a high opinion of Paul in here? Think highly of Paul. He says, we don't know how to pray as we ought to. Therefore, God sent his spirit to dwell within us and uttering all sorts of prayers that we can't even understand in human language because the spirit of God teaches us how to pray. Romans 8, go read it. Find out. So, how do we pray? Through the indwelling of God's Spirit. We certainly pray through the Scriptures. Have you ever prayed through the Psalms? This is an ancient church practice. Open the Scriptures and pray through them. Pray through the Word. Oh, Lord, David's prayer becomes my prayer. God, speak to me, for if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. That's Scripture, but it's my prayer. You get me? You with me? All right. Through spiritual community, pray when you're together. There's so many conversations as a pastor, I'm like, I have no idea what to say. Like, when I hear a problem, or marriage is falling apart, or jobs are problems, or kids won't listen, or whatever. What do, you, what do you do when you're having conversations with brothers and sisters in Christ? I'm just constantly, God, you better show up, I got nothing. Lord, you better speak. That's our only hope. So God, touch this person. Speak to them. That's all we got, is if you're speaking. Pray when you're serving. Lord, move in this person's life. I'm feeding them. I'm giving them a cup of cold water. I'm giving them shoes. But it's not for the sake of the shoes or for the cup or for the the meal, even though that's great. Why why am I doing this? Because I want them to know you. I want them to be touched by you and experience you. I want them to know you as a good, good father. Pray constantly as you serve. And pray when you're up on that mountain in Colorado or wherever and you're looking down and God just takes your breath away. Pray to Him. Worship Him. Sing the songs He puts on your heart. Prayer should be a part of all of this. The next psalm, and I have to believe that the Spirit of God did this on purpose. Look at the words in the next psalm I pray to you, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. Psalm 29. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. In his temple, everyone shouts glory. How do the people in his temple and everyone shout glory? Because the voice of the Lord echoes throughout all of creation, through his word, through his son, through his people, through his spirit. Isn't that cool how those two psalms are back to back? Speak if you're, not, if you're silent, I'm going to die. Bam! The voice of the Lord echoes. It's like this triumphant response of God's spirit to this question and this longing and this prayer. It's beautiful. All right. So here's the vision I have for us. Here's what we're going to do. Here's who we're going to be. As we go through the book of Acts, through the rest of the year, we're going to grow as a people of God in our ability through each of these ways to hear God's voice. As your pastor, what I'm going to be looking to do is to create as many opportunities as I can for those things to take place. I am not God's voice in your life. You have to, you have to actually own this, Right? And step forward and engage community like you're supposed to. And engage the Holy Spirit like God wants you to. And read his word and serve and go out in nature and take hikes and pray and see uh, see the Lord. You have to be the one to do this. But we have to do it together. So who are we as the people of God at Parker Ford? Well, we're people following Christ. Right? That's one of our, our taglines. But how do you follow Christ if you can't hear him? How are you supposed to follow Jesus if you can't hear him? You can't. Without certainly, that's that's a huge part of it. You're right. So how do we follow? How, how do we become? How, how do we walk out our mission to be a people following Christ? We hear His word. We hear His word. So this is who we're going to be. We're going to be a people who are constantly listening and speaking to the Lord, to one another, to the Lord. All right. So turn to your neighbor, and encourage your neighbor, and say, together we're going to discern and listen to the voice of the Lord. Go ahead. Encourage your neighbor. <clears throat> All right. So while we're while we're walking through the book of Acts through the remainder of our year probably, be constantly asking these questions. How's God speaking? What is he saying? Learn and grow in your ability to discern. All right. We're going to transition to the Lord's table. One of the one of the ways that we hear the voice of the Lord is through obedience. And one of the things that he commands in his word is when you gather together, remember me, remember what I've done. In Matthew can you put that back up real quick? Thank you. It says, Matthew 26, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Why do you, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? As you go into the city, he told them, you will see a certain man tell him the teacher says, my time has come and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal. Going down to verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink Wine, again, until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And I especially want to point out this, this uh, verse, verse 28. As we take the cup this morning, I want you to think about this and meditate on this. This is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. As we, as we drink the cup in remembrance of the sacrifice of Christ, it's a confirmation of God's new covenant relationship between us, the people of God, And our Father. As we take communion, we'll go down the outside aisles, and you can return to your seats uh, through the middle. If you are a believer, um, whether you're a visitor or not, you've uh have accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, we'd invite you to take communion with us. Um, As you can come up at your own pace, no one's gonna dismiss you, come up whenever you're ready. You can take the elements up front, the deacons will serve them, or you can take them in your seats uh, with you. There's no rush. Make this a contemplative, uh, quiet time. Celebrate the Lord through, through singing. You can stand and sing whatever the Lord does. Let's pray and invite God to work in this time. God, we thank you for your covenant. God, we thank you for your word. God we thank you for speaking to us in the beginning was the word of God and the word became flesh and dwelled among us it goes on to say the word became flesh and what did he do when he became flesh he gathered followers and he laid his life down for us that we might be reconciled with God as we take the bread this morning in the cup Let us remember the covenant of God. Let us remember that it is possible to hear God's voice today in 2018 in Pennsylvania because of what Christ did for us on the cross that day. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. We pray this in Jesus' name.